Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. continue to share out uh, this gospel. Amen. That's what we do here. Uh, we want to make sure that all are able to hear this life-changing message. So once again, welcome to all of you who are watching right now. Amen. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord, we bless you today. We thank you once again for giving us this opportunity to open up your word. Lord, we don't know what we would do without you. Lord, we pray that you would give us clarity of mind and heart even as your word goes forth tonight. Uh, Lord, we pray that as your word goes forth, Lord, that you will bring encouragement, enlightenment, and empowerment. Lord, we are going to read about some, some heinous uh, individuals who did some heinous things. But Lord, let us learn uh, from the deeds of others uh, uh, your goodness and your grace. So Lord, have your way. Bless us together right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are in Matthew chapter number 14, as we said. And we have reached a point uh, in Jesus' ministry uh, where we are going to begin to see, as we have already seen, we're going to begin to see miracles uh, upon miracles happen. Uh, here, once again in chapter number 14, uh, we're going to see two miracles that happen uh, right behind one another within the same uh, time frame, within the, just a few hours of one another. But once again, it was just simply a day uh, in the life. Uh, of Jesus Christ, Amen. So we want to make sure uh, that we make sure that we hear what the Lord has to say uh, concerning these words. Uh, Matthew, once again, Matthew, as he wrote, God bless you, Tonda. Matthew, as he wrote, uh, he was speaking uh, to the Jews, Amen. He was speaking to the Jews, and much of what he says, he has the Jews in mind, Amen. That's why uh, Matthew uses plenty of Old Testament scripture uh, to reference the fact of whatever Jesus was doing at the time. This was done that it might be fulfilled by the prophet uh, so-and-so. Mostly it was, a lot of times it was Isaiah because Isaiah spoke more about Jesus uh, than any other prophet. But that was Matthew's way. He was trying to reach or reach the Jews. Amen. And that's what we've been seeing uh, throughout this book. 
But now as we enter into chapter uh, number 14, uh, we're going to enter into, if I can call it, a sad time in Christ's life because uh, we are going to read now about the death of someone who was close to him, someone that was all wrapped up and involved in his own uh, in his ministry from the very beginning. And we were talking about uh, John the Baptist, amen? Uh, and God bless you, Kathleen and Sharon. God bless you. Let's start uh, reading in verse number one, Matthew chapter number one, uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse number one. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus. Now notice that word fame. He, he, was, he was becoming notable. Uh, he was he was becoming more well known uh, through his miracles. The things that he did, uh, they caused a stir. They caused an uproar. People were beginning to find out about who he was. Of course, they were not living in the age of uh, of social media. Of course, so 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 it took a while for things uh, to reach certain places. But his fame, his notoriety, it was moving forward. Amen. It was moving forward. And here we see that Herod, Herod, now this Herod, this Tetrarch, and I'll explain that word Tetrarch in a moment, but this Herod, this is the son of Herod the Great, who was in power when Jesus was born. He is the son of the Herod who ordered uh, the infants to be killed in the beginning in the in the second chapter of the book of Matthew. This is the son of that particular Herod. Herod. Now he is here a, a tetrarch, which means that he was a governor or a ruler in one fourth of a particular province. Uh, the order was, there was the king, there was the ethnarch, and then there was the tetrarch. Okay. And so that's who Herod was. An ethnarch was just one who was ruler in a particular province. And so if you want to say that uh, the ethnarch was uh, Herod's boss, that was the case, okay? Uh, so he was just two steps from being king. But it says here that he heard of the fame of Jesus. It reached him. In verse number two, and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Now, why would he make such a statement? Why would why would Herod make such a statement? Because it's based on what had already been done. The 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 work uh, concerning or the deeds concerning uh, John the Baptist had already taken place, and so when he hears about this this Jesus who is performing miracles uh, before the people, he immediately uh, assumes this must be John the Baptist who has come back. From the dead, he the man seems to be haunted, and maybe this is possibly a guilty conscience speaking. But then, from verse three down to verse number twelve, we're going to read in flashback, in flashback form, just what did happen to John the Baptist, starting from verse number three. For this is what happened: for Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake his brother Philip's wife. Now there was a tangled web going on here between Herod, Herodias, and his brother uh, 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 Philip. There was, there, was, there was a mass confusion going on. And uh, he was put in jail because he spoke up against what was going on. Amen. God bless you, Edie. Amen. I see you. God bless you. He spoke up 
about what was going on between this this particular group of people. Now, Herodias, I wrote down in my notes. Let me read what I wrote in my notes here. Herodias was a mess. She married Philip, who was her father's brother, which was her uncle. Now, why was John arrested? It was because, once again, he spoke out against this. And she was talked into leaving her husband and marrying Herod. Talked into it. And she did. And it says here, history says that she left Philip to marry another uncle, which was Herod Antipas. And that made this case of incest even worse. And so having seen all of this take place, John speaks up. It says here in verse number four, for John said unto him, it is not lawful for thee to have her. He, John the Baptist, was speaking from Old Testament scripture. Here's what it says. He was speaking according to what it says in Leviticus chapter 18 and verse number 16. Leviticus 18 and verse number 16. Here's what it says. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy brother's wife. It is thy brother's nakedness. Now, that phrase, that phrase, not to uncover the nakedness of, was the same as saying you shall not lie with or you shall not have intercourse with, or you shall not marry uh, your brother's wife. That, that was what was being said here. And he brings that up to him. And now Herod did not want to hear this. Herod Antipas did not want to hear uh, what was taking place. But when Herod's uh, verse number five, let me not skip verse number five, when he would have put him to death, he was going to kill him for what he said. It says that he feared the multitude. He feared the multitude. Now, also, we have to, when we go to Mark chapter number six, Mark chapter six also speaks about this event, the death of John the Baptist. And it goes into a bit more detail. So let's go here uh, to Matthew, uh, Mark rather, chapter number six, and let's read verse number 20. Mark six and verse number 20. For Herod feared John, Feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Okay? So there's no contradiction in terms here. Yes, he feared the people because he knew that the people lifted him up and saw him as a prophet. But he also feared John himself. And he actually, it seems from those words, he, he, he liked the man. But he could not. He could not allow him to speak out against what he had done. He could not do that. And so he was going to have him killed. But here's what it says. Once again, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. Verse number six. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Now, let's go back to Mark chapter six and read the next verse. Verse number 21. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. So, this was a big party. This was his birthday. Now, let me let me bring 
this little uh, sidebar in. This event, this event that happened to John the Baptist, losing his life, having his head taken off at this birthday party, is one of the reasons why Jehovah's Witnesses do not celebrate birthdays. Based on this, and there's, there's another event in the Old Testament, um, and I believe that was Haman, who had lost his head uh, on uh, his birthday. Uh, but here we see the, this and the one I just spoke of are the reason why Jehovah's Witnesses do not celebrate birthdays. Okay? Can you take it from these two events? Okay, it's against God's law or scripture says that we should not celebrate birthdays? No, no. You cannot come to that conclusion, but they come to that conclusion. Just wanted to bring that up. Now, it says here in verse number six that Herodias, the daughter, the daughter rather of Herodias. Now, her name was Salome. Now, where do we get that name from? There are two Salomes in scripture. One Salome, we find her at the foot of the cross. When Jesus was being crucified, she was there with Mary. She was there. This Salome, she is not named in Scripture. We do not find the name of this woman, Salome, in Scripture. We get her name from an extra-biblical source. In other words, from a source outside of Scripture, we find her name uh, by the noted Jewish historian Josephus. He tells us that Herodias' Herodias's daughter, uh, her name was Salome, and that's where we get her name from. And so we're going to take it from uh, Josephus, who gave us many interesting facts and tidbit about uh, this new, the New Testament era. He tells us that Paul the Apostle uh, was a, a man who was short in stature. Uh, Josephus tells us that Paul the Apostle was actually bow-legged. Uh, he tells us that Paul the Apostle was bald. Uh, all of these things we hear from Josephus. And, and he, once again, he is a noted a noted historian, Jewish historian. He was not a Christian, but he was an onlooker. He was a bystander, and his 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 duty, his job was to write history. And we find all those things in history. So here, once again, we find out her name from Josephus. Now it says that she Salome danced. It says he had danced before them and pleased Herod. Obviously, it was some sort of erotic dance. And this dance has been the thing. Listen, there have been there have been movies, there has been poems uh, written and, and, and made about this event, about Salome and her dance and, and all of these things. And and she danced before him, no doubt erotically, to a point where he goes to her, and let's once again Go back to the book of Mark and see exactly what transpired. It says here in verse number 22, Mark 6 and 22. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatever thou wilt, and I will give it to thee. And he swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. This man was taken away by this woman's dance. He said, listen, 
Listen, I'll give you whatever you want. I'll give you up. Listen, I promise. I swear to you, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. What do you want? Whatever you want, it's yours. It's yours. And so now what happens? Now there's a little intrigue taking place because she is the daughter of Herodias. Herodias was a wicked, evil, corrupt woman, as we have just read. Uh, and she wants one thing. This, this one man, John the Baptist, has spoken up against me. I want him. I want him. It says in verse uh, number eight, and she being instructed of her mother, because it says, let's go back to Mark again. It says in Mark, in verse uh, 6 and 24, Mark 6, 24, she went forth and said unto her mother, what shall I ask? What shall I ask? He, he said, I can have whatever I want up to a, a half of his kingdom. What shall I ask? And, he, and she, she told her, her daughter, I want the head of John the Baptist. I want the head of John the Baptist. Execute him. It says here, give me here John Baptist. I'm back in Matthew 14 and verse number 8. Give me here John Baptist's head on a charger. A charger was a platter. It was a large plate where you would put a meal. She wanted John the Baptist's head on a platter. This woman, this woman was devious. This woman was wicked in her ways. It says when he hears that, verse number nine, and the king was sorry. He was sorry. See, he spoke too soon. Why did he say, I will give you whatever you want? Because he had people there. There were people that heard this statement and they were watching to see what he would do. And it says he was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, this meal, he commanded it to be given her. He had to save face. He had to do what he said he was going to do. He couldn't change his mind. No, he couldn't, he couldn't renege. He, he couldn't say, no, 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 not that. I, I can't do that. Remember, we read that he, he, he took a liking to John the Baptist. He would hear him gladly. He just had a problem with him speaking out against him. And so, in verse number 10, he sent and beheaded John in the prison. Verse number 27, Mark 6, 27 says, he sent for an executioner. He sent for someone whose job it was to execute people by beheading. And he had he sent for him, and this man came and took off John's head. Took it off. Verse number 11. And his head was brought in a charger. Now this, no doubt, was gruesome. Once again, it speaks of the wickedness. It speaks of the corruption in the hearts of men. How they will, the things that they will do for a price. It, it, it's, it's, it, it tells, listen, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter number 17, verse number 9, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? You and I, yes, we are in Christ. We love the Lord. We praise him. We serve him. We honor him. But yet and still, there is a corruption that still exists in us. There is 
there is still that sin nature that still dwells inside of us. And if we do not keep our sin nature at bay, corruption will be the result. You and I can still become corrupted. Yes, yes, I know we are in Christ, but sin, sin is a horrible and a terrible taskmaster. We need to keep our faith locked into Christ and his finished work. When we do so, the sin nature will be subdued. That's what happened when we got saved. Our sin nature is subdued. It's still there. Your sin nature is ready to sin at a moment's notice. But when we keep our faith locked into Christ, our sin nature will be subdued. Not that we won't sin ever, but our sin nature will be subdued. And that is what is that is what is so important that we understand. Amen. But the heart, once again, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And, and, and God gave us that warning. We need to always keep that in mind. And so his head in verse number 11 was brought in a charger and given to the damsel. And she brought it to her mother. Now another sidebar. Uh, history tells us. History tells us that at some point in time after this event, it, it may have been several years after, uh, that Salome was attempting to cross a river that had been frozen over. But the ice caved in. And as I read it, the ice caved in and left her in the ice, of course, dangling from the bottom, trying to get herself out. But she was caught in the ice up to her neck. This is what history and tradition tells us. So you won't find this in scripture, but that's what eventually uh, did happen to her from, from several different sources tell the same story as to what did finally happen to Salome. So so according to history and tradition, she, she did meet a terrible end. Uh, but once again, uh, once again, it just shows, it just shows the wickedness of the heart and, and her mother, her mother also uh, is at blame for this. But here's what it says in verse number 12. And his disciples came and took up the body, the body, the headless body. And don't mean to be gruesome here, but took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. And so they do this. After this deed is done, obviously his disciples are called. Someone gets word to them where they are. And they come and they take his body and they bury it. Give, give his body a proper uh, burial, no doubt. And then we see Jesus in verse number 13. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. Apart. Notice. Notice, even our Lord Jesus Christ, he desired at this particular time, he desired to be alone. No doubt, no doubt the death of John the Baptist was a serious matter to him. It, it hit him hard, if I could use that phrase to describe the Lord. It, it hit him hard. Now, once again, could Jesus have prevented this from happening? I have to say, yes, he could have. Scripture says, even in his own death, the Bible says that Jesus could have called 
uh, uh, several legions of angels that could have rescued him from the cross. But that was not God's will. John the Baptist, he could have been rescued, saved, delivered. God, God could have made a way for him to come out. But it was not God's will. Amen. We must always operate within the framework of God's will. We may not always understand it. And there will be many times that things will happen to you or I in our lives and we just don't understand it. We just won't be able to wrap our minds around why has this happened or why is this happening. And sometimes things that happen are no fault of our own. Once again, we have to leave to the best that we are able. Leave it with God. He is sovereign. He sees, he knows, he understands. And he will bring all things to pass. We know what scripture says. We know in, in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28 that all things, and put a circle that word, highlight that word in your Bible, all things work together for good. You can circle that word too. All things work together for good. And, but you can't stop there. Yeah, you you don't. The verse doesn't stop there. I've heard many people say uh, part of Romans eight twenty eight and leave it there. All things work together. No, all things no. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. That's that's all things work together for we who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. And that's so important uh, to remember. So Jesus, he gets into a ship and, and to a desert plate place apart. He wants to, he wants to deal with this situation in his own way. And when the people had heard thereof, they heard where he went. And once again, it, this is just going to be another day in the life and ministry of Jesus. Okay? And the people hear where he is and they come and they followed him on foot out of the cities. We saw him, we found him, and, and they, here they come. Here comes the rush of people. The rush of people and they, they're coming at him. And Jesus, even in the state that he was in, once again, he was always on the move. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. I want you to take careful notice of what it says next here. It says, and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. He was moved with compassion toward them. His attitude was not, when he saw all these people uh, sort of, quote, interrupting, if I can quote myself, interrupting his peace. He didn't say, oh, here they come again. Oh, no, what am I going to do? No, no, that was not his response. He looked at the people, and we have to go back to chapter number 9. Chapter number 9 and verse number 36, we see a similar situation, but it gives us a reason why he saw the people in such a way. Verse number 36, chapter Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 36. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them for it says because they fainted 
and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. That's how he saw the people. He saw them as, as, as weak. They were fainting. And they were scattered. And they had no one to lead them. They were sheep without a shepherd. And the same question that I asked when I spoke this several weeks ago when I went through chapter 9. Is that how we see people? Is that how you and I see people? Is that how we see sinners? And if you watch the news, if you watch, and I know everyone doesn't watch the news, but when you hear about the different things that are happening in the world and you see people going here and there and doing this and that and all of these different things happening, what is our response? What is my response? What is your response? Do we say, what's wrong with these people? Are they crazy? Or does our heart reach out with compassion? Do we understand why they do the things they do? There is a reason why people do the things that they do. It's because they have no shepherd. They have no Christ. And so they just do what comes, as the, as the saying goes, they do what comes natural. That's why. But Jesus saw all of this and he had compassion on them. And he heals their sick. Verse number 15. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. We've been here for a while. Send them away so they can go and get something to eat. Maybe some of them will go home. They'll stop off at, at a merchant someplace and get something to eat, but send them away. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. <laughs> Give ye them to eat. Now, John chapter 6, just like in Mark chapter 6, John chapter 6 gives us a fuller, a fuller account of what takes place here. Uh, we read uh, that there was a lad, a small boy, who had uh, his lunch. And, and you, you know the story. You may know the story from Sunday school. But he had a lunch of five barley loaves and two fish. Now, the fact that they were barley loaves indicates that this was a meal of poor people. Barley was was the meal of the poor. But they, they were five barley loaves. And these loaves were somewhat the size of, of, of dinner rolls. You know what a dinner roll looks like. Th these five loaves and these two dried fish. Once again, these fish were in his, his lunch basket, so they were ready to be eaten. But there's just two of them. And his disciples didn't know what he was going to do at all. Let's go to John chapter 6 and verse number 6. It says, he said unto, and this he said to prove, uh, this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. They didn't know what he was going to do, but Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. Amen. Verse number 18, Matthew 14, 18. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fish, fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake 
and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. This was once again powerful what was about to happen. Verse number 20. And they did all eat. Everybody ate. And so you say, well, that's not such a big deal. And were all filled. Okay. And they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. All right. Now you read that and you say, if you're reading this for the first time, you're saying, okay, all right. And then verse 21 hits you when you read it for the first time. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men. 5,000 men. Let me say that again. They that had eaten were 5,000 men. Beside women and children. That's not counting the women and the kids. 5,000 men. Literal 5,000 men. Plus kids. Plus the women. And probably their wives. 10,000. Maybe more. Five dinner rolls, barley dinner rolls, two fish, enough for a little boy's lunch. And everybody ate, all 5,000 plus women and children. Everybody ate and everybody was full. I want you to get the impact of this. Everybody ate and everyone was full. Nobody was sitting there saying, can I have, can, can I have, uh, uh, can I have some more? No, everybody ate and they were full. And so as not to waste anything, they went around and took up the fragments, a.k.a. the leftovers, 12 baskets of leftovers. If anyone did want seconds or thirds, there was the, it was there. What, what just happened? What just happened? The Lord showed us his amazing power to multiply. To multiply. That which we give to him willingly. He can multiply. By faith, he will multiply it. That's what happens here. The miracle of multiplication. He took a small amount and he increased it. That's something only the Lord can do. Amen. Maybe you've had instances in your life where the Lord made much out of little. I've had times in my life, in my family's life, where God has taken the little that we had and it stretched. It stretched. It, it, it met the need. How? I don't know how. You're not supposed to be able to explain a miracle. You can't. There's no way to explain this. It's not a typo. It's not an error. There were five barley loaves of bread and two fish, and it fed 5,000 plus people. That's a miracle. That is unexplainable. That It is unexplainable. And that's what the Lord does. Now, I, I had the fortunate or unfortunate uh, experience of listening to someone a few weeks ago. This is not really off the beaten path, not really off of what we're talking about. 
But I remember the conversation was about miracles today. And the individuals was the individuals were saying that God does not do miracles today. God does not heal miraculous healings. He said that God today God uses doctors. That's the healing that we have today. He said that God doesn't heal. This was a a, a, a man of God, but totally, totally did not believe that God does miracles. And and once again, those people do exist. I'm not going to deny that they are that they are saved. I'm not going to deny that they are born again. I'm not going to deny it. They say that God can do anything. But once again, at the close of the canon of scripture, when, when John the Revelator died, once he, once he died, the canon was closed, scripture was closed, and no more miracles. No one's performing miracles, no one receiving a miracle. And that was it, 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 it was a bit heartbreaking to hear that come from men of God. I mean, men of God. I'm, once again, I'm not going to deny that they knew the Lord. Because these are well-known and, and, and renowned uh, preachers of the gospel. But they just come down on the side of the non-miraculous. And it, it, it's sad. It's sad. But listen, let me tell you so that you can know. God still performs miracles. I'm talking about miracles. I'm talking about things that cannot be explained any other way. Okay, there's no other human way to explain it. That's a miracle. It, 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 it baffles the imagination. It's something that's not supposed to happen, and it happens. That's a miracle. And he still does miracles today. Oh, yes, he still does miracles. Amen. We believe that. We know it. We've, we've, we've been the recipient of miracles. You may have been a recipient of a miracle. He still works. Don't, don't listen to anybody who says that God does not do miracles anymore. No, 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 no. God still works. Amen. And so they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Amen. Now, but Jesus' day is, is not quite over yet. It, it's night. It's dark. But there was still some ministry left to be done. Verse number 22, Matthew 14 and verse number 22. And straightway, that's a word that I love in scripture. Mark uses it uh, extensively, but that word straight may mean, straightway means immediately, right away. And straightway, Jesus constrained or he, he told his disciples to uh, get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. You guys get into the boat, go to the other side. Let me deal with the multitude and then I'll meet you on the other side. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart. There, there it goes again. Jesus going into a mountain apart, away from everyone. Remember, the people came and in our view, the people came and interrupted his quiet time. But that's not how Jesus saw it. He just said, I'm here to minister and I will minister. And he, and he performed a miracle. Now he sends the disciples away. He sends the multitudes away and he goes back. He goes back into the mountain apart to pray. 
No doubt what he may have been doing before. Scripture doesn't say that, but he may have been praying before. And he prays. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Have you been alone with God and known that you were alone with God? What I tell people many times, when I tell them to pray, and when we're in a church atmosphere, and we're in, we're in corporate, we're in a service, and, and there's people all around, I tell people when I give an altar call to pray, but I tell them to shut themselves in with God. Ignore the people around you. Ignore the one to your left and ignore the one to your right and shut yourself in with God. You can, you can be alone with God even in a crowd. Oh yes, you can. You can be alone with God in a crowd. Now, Jesus had, had the ideal situation here. He was literally alone. Just him and God. What a time that must have been. And any time that you can confine yourself with you and yourself, you yourself and God alone, it's going to be a powerful time. It's going to be a powerful time. Just you and God. Listen, we have distractions Left and right, distractions, all sorts of things all around us. And on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about, on our Sunday sermon series, we've been talking about sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is what we need. We need to take time, get alone with God and sit at his feet and see what he will say. Mary was there uh, to, and, and she heard his word. We need to hear his word because that's what's going to happen when we place ourselves at his feet. We're going to hear his word. We're going to get direction. We're going to get strength. We're going to get uh, empowerment. All of these things and so much more will happen when we place ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Alone time with him. Amen. So it says here, when evening was come, he was there alone. Verse number 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. The wind was blowing, and there they were on the sea. And these, these were experienced men with a boat. They knew what it was. They knew what this kind of storm was. They were fishermen, most of them. And, and they knew what was taking place. In verse number 25, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. All right. Next miracle. He's walking on the water. He is walking on the water. No, the water was not iced over. He is walking on water. This is a miracle. It cannot be explained at all. Several years ago, several years ago, I, re I recall uh, seeing something on social media, and it wasn't just on social media, uh, but there was a pastor somewhere in Africa uh, that uh, told his congregation that he was going to duplicate Jesus' miracle of walking on the water. 
some pastor. I don't know who he was. I don't know. But he tried to duplicate Jesus' miracle of walking on the water. Can you guess what happened? He drowned. He drowned. It's a sad story. It's a sad story. It, it, it's, it's not really funny. <laughs> it's really not funny. It's a sad story. The man drowned trying to duplicate Jesus' miracle. Once again, do not attempt this at home. But does God perform miracles at the right time, at the right place? It can happen. It absolutely can happen, okay? But it didn't happen at this time. He should not listen. What we should not do is try to make a spectacle. Try to put the Holy Spirit or put the power of God on display. It's not a show. It's not a show. Amen? And so that is what is most important. We must make sure that we don't make a show out of the Holy Ghost. Amen? So in this fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. All right, what do you do? We look at this and we say, come on, what's wrong with them? You're, on, you're in a boat. It's dark. And I don't live in the country, but I've been out in the country, and I know when it gets dark and there's no, no moonlight, it's dark. It's dark. And they are out on the water, and it's dark. And they see this presence walking toward them. I'm assuming that what Jesus had on was white, as we see traditionally they wore ro robes that were probably may have been white. And here they come in the darkness. They see this white figure moving toward them. What do you think? What do you think? And literally it says here that they cried out for fear. These men began to holler. <laughs> they began to holler and to scream. They thought that it was a ghost, a spirit. But straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, Bid me come unto thee on the water. Mm. Peter says, if it's really you, Jesus, give me permission to come walk to you. And what does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't say, no, 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 no. Stay right where you are. It, it, it's, it's boisterous out here. The wind is blowing. Don't try it. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, come on. He said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He does it. The only other man in recorded history beside Jesus to walk on water was Peter. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Oh yes. Oh yes. But, 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 when he saw the wind boisterous he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried saying lord save me he was doing the miraculous but when he realized when he realized what he was doing 
That's when he sank. That's when fear seized him. He looked around, he saw the wind, voyagers, and he said, what am I doing? I, I, I can't do, and, and as soon, as soon as he knew, as he believed that he could not do what he was doing, he sank. No, keep your eyes on Jesus. I believe that's the key. I believe that's the key. Keep your faith locked in to who Jesus is. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes. You know the song, the old song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He needed, Peter needed to look directly into Jesus' face. I don't see what's going on around me. I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned with what's going on around me. I know what's going on around me, but I see you and I'm coming to you. And when he, and that's what happens to us. As soon as we take our eyes off Christ, as soon as we take our eyes off Christ is when doubt can set in. It's when the enemy can come in and say, you can't do it. It's not possible. That's when doubt and fear and all sorts of different things come in when we take our eyes off Jesus. We need to see Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Verse number 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why did you doubt? You doubted. He said, you have little faith. He began to put his faith in himself. Look what I'm doing. I'm walking on water. Hey, no, it's not about you, Peter. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. When he averted his eyes and when he averted his attention away from who Jesus was, he sank. And they were, verse 32, and they were come into the ship. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. The wind ceased. Then they that sat, then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him saying, of a truth, thou art the son of God. If there were any doubt in any one of them as to who Jesus was, if, doesn't say that here, but if there was any doubt as to who Jesus was, they were convinced now of a truth. We know that you are the son of God. Oh my, you just walked in the dark across the water, across the water. And you told Peter to go, the only one who had the heart and the faith to do it. He walked on the water too. And the, and the wind stopped it just completely stopped we know that you are the son of god and when they were gone over they came into the land of gennesaret and when the men of that place had knowledge of him they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased now word gets out about something else that he had done and now the people come rushing in more and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched 
were made perfectly whole. So you see the woman who touched Jesus, the hem of his garment, she was not unique. She was not unique. We hear her story in more in a more fuller way, but she was not unique in what she did. There were many who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. There were many who touched him and power flowed out from him. These were people who were literally in need of him. There were others who were around him during these times and they were touching him and pushing up against him and 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 but nothing happened because they had no need to be so close to Jesus and yet so far but when you have that need you can reach out and touch that garment and you can be made whole amen amen powerful powerful Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we bless your name tonight. Uh, Lord, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you. Lord, when we read about your power, Lord, when we read about your goodness, Lord, when we read about the things that you did, Lord, we are, we are left with our mouth wide open. Lord, we are amazed at who you are, what you have done, and what you will do. Lord, you are great. And we are small. But Lord, we honor you and we praise you for who you are. Lord, help us to keep our faith locked into who you are. Lord, I pray that you will bless each and every one under the sound of your word tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that somehow these words uh, will take uh, will take an effect on the hearts and lives of these individuals who are under the sound of your word. Lord, not my words, Lord Jesus, but Lord, your word. Lord, I pray that you will speak as only you can speak, in power, enlighten. Lord, I pray that you will have your way. Encourage us all, I pray. I love you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you, Tonda. God bless you, Tonda. And God bless you. Uh, God bless you, Sharon. God bless you, Kathleen. Amen. Uh, God bless you. Uh, we thank you uh, for joining us here tonight. And God bless you, Edie. Amen. God bless you uh, for joining us uh, here tonight. God is good. Amen. As always, we want to invite you to join us uh, next week as we come to you with chapter number 15. We didn't think that we were going to make it through chapter 14. Uh, once again, we're not in any rush, but uh, we finished a complete chapter in one night, and that's a, that's a rarity, but next week we will go right into chapter uh, number 15. Amen. And hear what the Lord has to say further uh, in his word. Amen. As always, I want to invite you to join us throughout this week. Amen. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night we will be here uh, with The Bible Speaks Live. Amen. And tomorrow night we're going to, uh, it's going to be a teaching session. Tomorrow night we're going to be talking about seven amazing truths about the Holy Spirit that you need to know. I need to know, you need to know, and we need to remember them. Amen. Amen. That's, that's coming up on tomorrow night. Hope you can join us tomorrow night. At 8 o'clock, seven amazing truths about the Holy Spirit that you need to know. Amen. On Wednesday night, Wednesday night we'll be here with the first principles of the Christian life on the Cutting It Right uh, Bible study. Once again, a topical Bible study. And we'll have a brand new topic here uh, coming up on Wednesday night. That'll be at 8 o'clock. Tomorrow night also uh, we'll begin at 8 o'clock. Amen. 
And don't forget to join us on Sunday morning as we continue our series entitled That Good Part. We're learning about the value. We spoke about it a little bit tonight. Uh, the value of sitting at Jesus' feet. Amen. That's coming up this Sunday on the Sunday Sermon Series. Amen. So once again, I pray that you will continue to, to join us and, and be a part of what we are doing here. Uh, we are proclaiming uh, and uh, we are proclaiming and propagating uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once again, we teach and preach the message of the cross for life and living, and we pray that uh, you will uh, share this page out. If you're watching on Facebook, that others also uh, may be blessed. Amen. So we honor him and we bless him and we thank him for all that he is doing. Amen. And once again, Shout out to those who do listen in on Spreaker.com from across the United States and around the world. We see you where you are, and we thank you for your support. Amen. And so we've come to the end of another uh, Bible study session here on the Line by Line podcast. Once again, it's been an honor for me to be able to hopefully speak into your heart through the Word of God. It's not me, of course, but through the Word of God, I pray that uh, you've been blessed and I pray that you will pass this word on that others also may be blessed. Amen. So until tomorrow night, if you can join us, we'll be here at 8 o'clock with The Bible Speaks Live. We'll see you then. Have a good night, and God bless you. Places people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m.